Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic Guys podcast of which we are the worst. I am Eddie. I'm Alec. And today we are going to talk about my vocation. All right. Well, uh, to all of our thousands and millions of listeners, we have some big news for you, right? Pretty big. Big time stuff. Yeah, well, you know, Alec already took the took the marriage route, so that left me to t- to play the part of a priest. So, <laughs> so we're gonna try our best. It's a real musical that. chairs vocation situation. Yeah, you know, I was just <laughs> you play with the you play with the cards you're dealt, you know. Um, but it was dance like with one Catholic, you wrong. Another another Catholic guys podcast where none of them actually become priests. I mean, come on, like we don't need more we don't need more married guy podcast hosts. So, <laughs> uh, no, I'll. Uh, all jokes aside, just kidding, all jokes never put aside, but I have discerned a call to the priesthood with the Diocese of Orange in California, which is where Alec and I are from, and uh, am planning on entering in the fall, not this year, but the next year, um, with the diocese. Ta-da! <gasps> Gasp! Egad! <laughs> this, this is the first Alec has ever heard of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> he just told me, hey, we got to record today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, um, it now to be fair, I have made this decision like a year and a half ago. So (laughs) back in technically the date was January 20th, where it really became real of 2020. So, which is in that, and right before COVID happened. And then, you know, two months after that COVID happened and what is time during COVID. So, uh, it's pretty much last week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So year and a half is one month in COVID time. So it's like reverse dog years. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and wait would that just be dog years or would that <laughs> I, I don't know the reverse dog years is good <laughs> okay um yeah and uh, it, it it feels very normal right so i've gone through the application process i've been pro- pro- provisionally accepted with them and it feels very normal, right? I mean, it, it's a, it's an awesome experience. You know, everybody that I've talked to, it seems like, you know, it's it's it is shocking news because it, the news was big, you know, um, that I had made this discernment and the Lord had moved in my heart in this way. But I would say nobody was surprised by it, right? Or or it was surprising news and no one was shocked. One of those two, right? There there was an element of like, oh, that's big news, but like everyone was kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's kind of been a long time coming. Um, <laughs> And that's what it feels like. It feels very normal, which is, the, I think, I guess probably a more spiritually correct term would be, would be very at peace, <laughs> would, be the, would be the better way to word that. Uh, but You're not a priest yet. You don't have to be yeah. spiritually correct. <laughs> it is, it, like I said, it just, it feels like I'm taking the next step where God wants me. You know, life with Christ is a wonderful adventure, and this is where his adventure has led me, you know? Um, I do have some business I have to take care of. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be spending another year at the school that I'm teaching at, school name redacted. But what it wasn't diocese name redacted, right? So um, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, no, that's okay. And I also have to fundraise my student loans a little bit. Uh, and I'm working with an organization called the Library Society, so I have to take care of that before I enter. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in this episode. But first, we wanted to just spend some time talking about how I've gotten here and what is my experience with the Lord. And because I, I honestly feel like of the whatever eighty something episodes we've had, I, I don't know how much about my own life I've talked about, you know, um, which is fine. Uh, but so yeah, just to talk <laughs> a little bit about where I'm at with this, and then maybe anybody here who's 
listening and possibly discerning, maybe there's something you might be able to relate to or yeah, you know, so, uh, and just to, just to share with you the ways that the Lord has moved in my heart because it's very beautiful and I, uh, I love him a lot and I'm happy to talk about him. Uh, initial thoughts, Alec? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't, right. I don't think I, I don't think I have any thoughts that are worth delaying this story being told any later than it has. <laughs> um, yes, wonderful. So <laughs> I would say uh, feel free to interject for uh, that goes to you and anybody who is uh, listening right now, feel free to shout out any questions that you may have. <laughs> um, no matter whenever you're listening to it, I'm sure I'll be able to answer them. But actually, though, if, if at any point there is questions or anything that you have you would like me to elaborate on, feel free to email us at uh, what is the email? Uh, contact at sinnerstake.com. Yes. Contact at sinnerstake, sinnerstake at contact.com. There you go. No. <laughs> Everyone will get it right now. Yeah. It's on our uh, website if they want to uh, send it. Just go to sinnerstake.com. Contact. Dot, a... Go to website.sinnerstake.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, sinnerstake.com. Yes, we'll, we'll take you to our website. If any of you have never been on the website, uh, you can. It's there. But anyway... Um, a little bit about vocation, right? I think, like I've said before earlier this episode, and probably many times on this podcast, a life with Christ is a wonderful adventure, and I definitely, I feel that vo- uh, adventure deep in my heart, and every adventure story has a theme, and I would say my theme is I've always, ever since a young age, um, really desired a close and personal love in an intimate way, and I think for most of my life, it just naturally manifested itself in the desire for married life, and I think for a long period of my life, I would consider myself a hopeless romantic, you know, Um, and I spent a lot of time just, I would say most of my mental energy growing up, uh, especially like middle school on, most of my mental energy, what I was praying about, what I was, you know, going to bed thinking about was just love, you know, Uh, wanting to fall in love, wanting to chase girls, um, most of the time to (laughs) very little success, but... um, (laughs) And yeah, you know, and I think when I was younger, I was just, I was mostly clueless to the idea that God could satisfy the longings of your heart. And so I just didn't really think too much about it. I think that the, the whisperings to the priesthood were always present and they were quiet enough and I was young enough and naive enough that I was just able to ignore them. But, you know, as time went on, as you guys know, those of you guys who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, I went to Franciscan University and um, met some amazing people. You know, you paint with very broad strokes when you tell the story. You know, I was I was like a classic youth ministry kid. Um, I I spent a lot of time in youth group when I was in high school and there was genuine conversion there. There was genuine grace that God was working in my heart with. But I do think that. I mostly was involved with youth ministry because I wasn't high school cool, but I could be church cool, you know? <laughs> um, and there's, there's, I found, I found a place for myself, you know, with, and I was such a little, uh, smarty pants and way too prideful and all of that. But you know, God, God grows his roses on our barren soil, right? Um, on our barren souls. But anyway, so I went to Franciscan and, um, you know, I studied theology, so I started to learn all the terminology of, you know, God is love, and God is the, not only is that, he's like the fulfillment of all of our desires, and when we're really seeking out love and beauty and goodness and things, we're actually seeking him out, and everything else is just a shadow of him. So I had become aware that, like, God actually can fulfill the desires of our hearts, um, and so what was kind of child cluelessness turned into now, like, more young adult obstinance, because, um, so when God would stir on my heart, you know, Eddie, I th- he would always kind of say, you know, Eddie, I th- 
I want you to be a priest. And he would kind of insinuate like, and I think you want to be too. And I would say, uh, no. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I wish I handled it better. Would, would that I could say that I handled this all better, but <laughs> I cannot. Right. I, I just ended up wrestling with him with it because I was holding on to this thing right? I really wanted to fall in love. I wanted to, and I thought that that was what was, was going to make me the happiest. And I thought that that was the only way that was going to make me happy. And frustratingly enough, you know, God gave me such tremendous freedom with this. You know, he'd always assure me of the freedom in this decision. And the the tough thing is, is I think sometimes we almost just want God just to tell us what he or we're going to do. I think we oftentimes like, you know, strangle ourselves with freedom. But um, he'd always assure me, you know, Eddie, I'd rather you be happy and married than miserable and a priest because we don't need a miserable priest, right? Um, or a miserable dad. Like, you, God wants us, because I do believe genuinely, and I think we've spoken about this many times on the podcast, that God cares more about how you do something than what you do when it comes to our vocations. Like, he'd rather you love him and serve him in a role that maybe isn't perfectly ideal for you than to begrudgingly go somewhere else. And, you know, so he'd always assure me, you know, Eddie, this is what I want, but um, I think you want it too. But I'd be like, uh, God, uh, no. And if you're going to give me the freedom, like, I'm definitely going to be married <laughs> because there's no way that I ever want the priesthood. Like if I do become a priest, it's going to be because you've made it so abundantly clear that I just follow you out of obedience. Right. (laughs) Um, and honestly, that's kind of how throughout my time in college and even kind of early on after graduation, there was times where that was the case where I just felt like, okay, fine, I'll go to the priesthood. Right. Or whatever. Like, cause you know, something wasn't working out. I was feeling restless in, in my vocation and I was just like, okay, fine, God, let's do this. Right. But that doesn't last. You know, I, there was times I had met with vocation directors and, um, spoken with friends about it, but nothing ever stuck. And because I just, like I said, I just wanted this one thing I wanted guys only want one thing. <laughs> and for me, it was falling in love. And, um, uh, like I said, I just didn't think that God, and I really think I lacked the faith to believe that God both could do this and wanted to do this in my heart. And I started to realize, I think I put vocations on a pedestal. Actually, ironically, like the idols talk, right? That we just gave, right? And I, we just spoke about this. So, but I I think I made my vocation into an idol where I was placing him um, above actually having, like placing how to serve him above having relationship with him. And that is bad. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) and high level analysis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm against not putting God first. I'm not afraid to say, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, but I, I, I saw that and I tried to remedy it. Right. And you know, the crazy thing is, you know, you do the things that the church prescribes you to do and you open yourself up to grace and you know, God shows up and he changes your heart. Right. And I realized that much of who I was, was beginning to change when I properly oriented myself or I guess really that careful wording there, right? Allowed God to orient me properly. And I felt my desires changing. I felt everything about me just change and um, grow really more than, more than anything else. And I began to ask God and desire a relationship with him as he would have it be instead of how I was trying to have it. You know, I think we oftentimes try to cram God into a box. And I had finally been given the boldness to pray for a relationship for him with him in charge, you know? And I think a lot of us, especially people who are discerning, um, we are afraid to offer that to the Lord because we are afraid of where it will take us, you know? Um, I know I was. Um, and they all kind of came to a head in when I was taking some time praying about this, you know, priesthood versus married life. And I realized that all my desired f- desires for married life were stemming from the most shallow aspects of me. 
and I didn't desire holiness in marriage. And now don't misunderstand me. Marriage is a very beautiful and holy vocation. I just personally didn't see myself wanting to be holy in it. Right. Uh, I almost, I saw like all the ways that a husband has to lay his life down for his uh, spouse and his children. They almost just seemed like the chores I had to do to get the things that I wanted, which was to fall in love. Right. And I realized that I was dealing with a lot of loneliness, a lot of insecurity and a lot of rejection in my heart. And I viewed married life as a way to cast those fears out, which is ridiculous even in and of itself, because it's not like there's no loneliness in marriage, right? And there's no, it's not like there's no uh, insecurity or rejection in marriage. But when I compared it to the priesthood, I realized that all my desires for the priesthood really did stem from the deepest parts of me. And I wasn't allowing myself to think about that as God would say, right? I think you want this. And I'd be like, I don't want it because I wouldn't even allow myself the opportunity to think about how, how badly I wanted it because I was afraid. And if I looked past the fear, everything about the priesthood was life-giving to me. I saw myself genuinely desired sainthood, holiness, to lay my life down for people, um, to lay my life down for him, to come to know him in this way. And I literally wrote down in my prayer journal that day, I said, uh-oh, this is a dangerous thought. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because, you know, you can't come back from that. Because I had just realized that one, voc- one vocation was motivated out of, you know, fear, and I desired complacency. And one vocation was motivated out of love, and I desired holiness. And... <laughs> like, what do you do? Right. That's, that's in the words of, uh, chess terms, that's checkmate in one. Right. Um, <laughs> and when God stirred the most recent time and he said, you know, Eddie, this is what I want for you. I've made it abundantly clear. This is what I want for you. I think you want it too. I responded, no, I, it is, I do want this. Like, I'm afraid Lord of, you know, loneliness. I'm afraid I've got these fears, but I want to serve you in this way. I want to know you in this way. Um, and my heart responded with such tremendous joy and such tremendous peace in a way that in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, you know, like I said, that was Jan. Well, I was actually going on a couple of dates with this girl, and it was January twentieth in twenty twenty two twenty twenty. Um, and I told her that I was no longer going to pursue her, and I was going to you know enter the seminary when the timing was right. And since then, it's been a year and a half of just beautiful discernment. Right? What what was originally the whispers that I would you know, hear and ignore turned into the, the more clear voice that I really wrestled with God with now feels more of like a, like a battle cry that I, I want this, right. I desire to, I desire to serve him. I desire to lay my life down for him. Right. I want, I want to wake up every morning and have my only concern be the salvation of souls. And that is where I'm at. You know, it's been a beautiful time of letting the Lord prune my heart and my desires for romance and repackage them to the priesthood. But it's where I am, you know? And, uh, uh, like I said, it's, it feels so normal. It feels so, so peaceful. Um, every, even, even as through the application process, even through the fundraising process, it's been very like, no, this is exactly where the Lord wants me. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be just, uh, doing my best to, to prepare for that. You know, I love that story and thank you for sharing it and sharing it so eloquently. I'm sure that's the first time you've told it. So it's really cool that you were able to tell it so well. It's just having raw, never practiced you know? it. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> so what happens now? Why aren't you a priest now? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, I just, uh, you know, master couldn't find a speeder. I really liked, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, so the reality is, is I have like many people in my situation have a blockage of entering religious formation, which is the obstacle being uh, student loan debt. Right. I mean, that mean you personally have discussed a lot, but 
uh, something. But that, why won't they let you? I why can't you join having debt? Why can't I? Yeah. So I mean, most most religious orders like they don't. You know, I'm joining the diocese, so I will eventually get paid a salary. Um, but the problem is, is that my loans are all private, so they would just occur interest over the next you know six or seven years that I'm in formation for. And would balloon out of control, which I would be unable to uh, st- get on top of in my priesthood. Um, and then obviously just many things. Uh, the the diocese doesn't have the the funds to pay off student loan debt, and they had they've had, a lot of dioceses have had problems with people getting their loans paid off and then bailing and and all of that. And they are you know they already take on the the price of educating me in the first place, right? You know, six or seven years of college with food and insurance and everything paid for. And um, yeah, so that's uh, that's all that's all well and good, but. Um, yeah, you know, and that's just like the thing about this, this organization. So now I guess we're going to talk a little bit about the library society and the organization. Now, um, something that Sinners Take has never done before, right, is, is at all been involved with the, with the asking for money or anything of that nature. So, um, but this is something that, uh, is very important to, to, to me and to, to Alec. But, um, so if it is something, I'm going to share a little bit about what the library society is and what they do. And if it's something that, uh, you who are listening feel so called to to participate in. Um, I'll explain a couple ways that you might be able to to help out with that, and we'll um, make sure to put some links in our uh, episode descriptions and uh, things of that nature. Yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Because we, like I said, this is a this is a this is a sinner's take first, right? Sinner's first take at uh, uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was something that we decided early on, and hope that we've been able. to to maintain is that this was always in hopes of it being about the ministry and not about money. We don't solicit sponsors or um, anything of that sort. And so, like he said, it's a first, but it's, it's because it's important and um, we want, it's, it's not for our own benefit, but so that Eddie can, become the servant that God has called him to be. Uh, and so none of that is to say anyone has to give. Um, prayers of all kinds are welcome. And uh, this is really just to share what uh, the Lord has been doing in Eddie's life. And maybe if it resonates uh, similar stories with anyone else. But like you said, if you do feel so inclined, a- anything helps. Yeah. Um, and that's the, the reality, right? This, this organization is called the Library Society. They've been functioning for, you know, over 10 years, helping people in, in my, both men and women in my situation enter religious formation. You know, they, they see this need and they're working to fill this need, right? I really believe that they have, they're seeing and doing the Lord's work because um, I genuinely believe that the student loan crisis is going to be the biggest problem facing vocations in our country going forward. Uh, you know, some of the numbers that they, they have us talk about is, uh, there are in any given year, it's estimated about 10,000 people are seriously discerning a religious vocation. And of those 10,000, 4,200 of them cite as the number one reason why they're not currently entering formation is because of their student loan balance, um, which is a lot. Right. And I think that number is only going to get worse because people are joining seminary later in life because, and I think that's probably for the best because an 18 year old nowadays is not the same as an 18 year old was back in the day. And even then, I don't know if that was, hundred percent the best practice or especially what's required of a modern day priest. You know, I think it's good to have some life experience, not to say that it can't be done well, but um, I'm going to be very thankful to the life experience I've had in, in teaching and coaching and all of that. I think it will only add value to my priestly discernment. 
um, in my priestly voca- uh, mission. And so the reality is, is that I'm working to pay this off. You know, I work at a private school. I don't make a whole lot of money. Um, I also I used to, was living at home for a while. My mom has recently moved away to Ohio to be with my sister. And uh, um, so I have rent payment now, too. Long story short, right, it's going to take me 20 years to pay off my student loan debt at going at the rate that I can possibly go. And what the library society says is, no, Eddie, your vocation is more valuable than that. We'd rather you have, we'd rather have you as a priest for 20 years in the church than have you, you know, working to pay off your loans. So what they do is they provide me with the resources and that of many other people, right? There's currently 19 people going through the class. They say, we'll provide you with the resources to fundraise your loans in, you know, six to 12, maybe even more if need be months. Um, and it's been, it's been invaluable to me, right? It's been something that I've learned a lot in this process. I've learned, um, I've had a lot of personal growth in, in my ability to share, in my ability to be bold and asking, um, the, the, the ability to beg for money, I think is going to be very important in my life as a priest and also just in the virtue of receiving love, which is something that does not come very naturally to me. Um, honestly, I've almost gotten more comfortable in the asking for money than in the receiving money. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, but just been blown away with generosity and, um, yeah, so that's, that's the, the task, right? Is the task is for, um, myself to, to, um, overcome this obstacle. And <clears throat> there are some inner workings of the way the library works. You know, they are a fully functioning nonprofit organization and they work really hard to assure that donations that are made on my behalf are protected and, uh, you know, that people can get a tax write off for whatever they donate. And they also have us fundraise three years of interest payments. Uh, that way it essentially why they do that is because it protects what's called the freedom of discernment. Um, which allows me because they won't actually pay my student loan debt until four years into formation for myself. Um, and if at any point tragedy were to befall me and I wasn't able or I was to drop out or for whatever reason was able to complete or continue, um, they would the money that was donated on my behalf would then be taken and distributed to other people going to the library society. And so that way people can be assured that they're donating to vocations and ideally it's mine, but if not mine, then other people's as well. Um, and so it protects their, it protects people's do, uh, donations and it also protects my freedom to discern, right? As I said, the freedom of discernment, which, um, that way I don't feel like this, this unwanted pressure to follow through necessarily because I know that I have these, these, these years to really see how, how the Lord is working and what, what he desires. So they're, they're a really beautiful organization. Uh, there's a, we're going to put a link to their website page in the description. I don't want to talk too much longer on them, but, uh, I, um, feel, people can feel free to look through it and also um, they, can, they can email me with any other questions that they may have. Um, but what I would ask right, of people would be, you know, the three part ask of any of any fundraising pitch would be uh, the first would be through direct financial contribution would be the easiest way to help my vocation and uh, that of, you know, spreading the word of the library society. And um, and so I would, I would invite anyone who is listening and or anybody who's been moved by maybe um, something we've done in uh an episode we've done or something we've talked about and or seen value in our podcast. Um, I would invite you guys to make a donation to the library society on my behalf. And we'll post links to that, uh, the, to that online portal in, um, uh, in the des- description of the episode, you know, like, like Alex said, what any, anything helps in whatever you feel called, know that, the, know that the need is, is large, right? Every single member of the library society is tasked with raising $60,000 per class. And each class runs for six months. Um, with how much I need to fundraise at that going at that pace, I'll actually need to fundraise for two classes. So just know that the need is large. Um, and so whatever you are able to, to do, uh, is greatly appreciated. And, um, the second thing that people can do is 
uh, if there's anybody who you may know, and I, I understand probably a lot of people who are listening to us are, are probably college students or whatever it might be. And, um, but if you know anybody else who think would be interested in, in having a conversation with me and would be interested in donating, uh, feel free to, I would like email us. We'll put the email in the description as well. It's also on the website, sinnerstake.com. But uh, maybe find a way to we can get in touch with them and I can meet with people maybe on a more uh, personal basis, get, talk to people who maybe don't listen to the podcast, but you know are passionate about vocations and maybe have the means to, to help out with this. Um, again, I, I, would love to, I would love to be put in touch with as many people. It's going to take an army, right? It's going to take an army to, to get this done. Um, and the Lord has one. So, um, and it's you guys. <laughs> and, uh, and then the last way would be um, to pray for the library society and the people, you know, my fellow classmates, my fellow aspirants. Um, like I said, there's 19 other people going through the program and there's a lot of spiritual attack that goes into it, right? The devil does not want to see uh, more better priests. I think probably the only thing that Catholics can agree on is that we need more better priests and nuns. And uh, the thing that I love about the library society is it provides people a really concrete way to help out with that. And like I said, there, there's so much um, good that they are doing and I'm happy to be a part of them. But like I said, so if you would just pray for them, but also know that I, you know, I pray for the, the listeners of Sinners Take personally um, a lot, but um, if there's ever anything that you guys would like for me to pray for, especially those of you who are willing to be involved with my, with my efforts, I do pray for those in a very special way. So if you do have any prayer intentions, please do email them again to our email, um, and I'll be happy to add them to my prayer intentions list and would happy to pray for them um, on a regular basis. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of, my, uh, I guess my pitch, right? The, um, this, this video, this, this podcast episode is sponsored by Labrae Society. <laughs> not actually. Not actually. Not actually, not actually sponsored. Um, I want that on the record. <laughs> All thoughts are my own. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't really know how to close this one out, right? Like, I mean, again, we just, like I said, we've never, we've never done the, the financial ask before. So, um, I kind of think we're just gonna, we're just gonna st- kind of mosey on off the stage a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but, uh, like I said, know that you guys are in our prayers and know that, um, it's been, it's been an awesome, um, ride so far. The Lord is good. His grace is real. Uh, and my parting words of advice on this topic would be like from what we spoke, what I spoke about earlier. If you find yourself in a rut in your vocation or whatever it might be, I challenge you to pray for the Lord, pray to the Lord um, that his will and his your relationship with him would be the way that he desires it to be and be okay with where that takes you and be excited about where that takes you because I guarantee you it is more fitting and more joyful than what you currently have in mind. So uh, that would be my, my, my words of advice. And uh, yeah, from all of us here at uh, Sinner's Take, do you have any closing thoughts? <laughs> No, I think. So then, uh, so this has been the sinner's take. The sinner's take, the sinner takes on the priesthood. And uh, you will uh, hear us in the next one.